Hi, this is Alan Adler. I'm the Detroit Bureau Chief for Freight Waves. Welcome back to the Cold Chain Summit. I'm here with Brent Yankee, who is the uh, Chief Executive Officer of Wabash National. Um, Wabash is one of the really the only publicly traded uh, trailer company, uh, one that uh, Freight Waves does follow with uh, regularity. And uh, it's great, Brent, to have you with us today. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Alan. It's a, it's a privilege to be part of the discussion. Well, it's a, it's certainly one that I think is relevant for where the Wabash business is, and and we'll we'll begin to get into that. But I got I got to say, you know, to get started, it would be really easy, you know, when when you ask somebody what Wabash National does, to say that you know you make dry vans, and I guess you're going to talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But uh, you know, I, I think that I think that there's you know we see them on the highway, uh, obviously. But your business is much more than that right now. You've decided to refocus uh, some of the efforts on cold chain, home delivery, parts and service. Uh, but obviously, the van market continues to be strong. So, so why the reorientation, if that's the correct characterization of this? Yeah, so a great question. I mean, and absolutely, we we are known as making the best dry van in the business, and it's something that is a core part of what Wabash National is. But we have changed over the last five to seven years. We've done two major acquisitions, one of the Walker Group and one of Supreme, as we broaden the product portfolio. And we've done that all for what we believe is a changing logistics landscape that's only accelerated post the pandemic. And when you look at where logistics is going, we see final mile uh, and e-commerce, e-commerce related disruption as really driving a, a set of changes that are long lasting, that are going to be a decade in the making. That's going to drive um, extended cold chain development. It's going to drive a need for updating parts and service. And as we look at it, it's disrupting all the way from first to final mile. We at Wabash, we're tying all that together. Yeah, and I think you've talked about that in previous earnings calls, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more each quarter. And I think, you know, one of the last ones we listened to, you talked about the opportunity to do sort of what, you know, some of the OEM uh, truck makers do. And I'll, I'll just use Mac as an example. You know, they got back into the medium duty business recently after, you know, 20 years away. And, you know, it's a family kind of thing. I mean, you know, they're able to, you know, sell Mac Anthem customers, you know, the MD series. Right. So I presume that's similar for you. Is that correct? Or is that what your goal is? Yeah, absolutely. What's changing is that our customers, which were primarily drive van customers, now span our entire portfolio. They're buying tanks, platform trailers, final mile, mid mile. And to best meet their needs, we have to transform as an organization, both our product portfolio, how we're organized, and that shapes the initiatives that we have going forward as we grow. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about new technologies, specific technologies and products in refrigeration. This is, after all, the cold chain summit uh, that that stand out as significant organic growth prospects for you. Can can you get into that a little? Sure. Let's step back. Uh, we look at cold chain as being an area of growth uh, five, six, seven years ago. We saw it uh, from a traditional market standpoint, and then we looked at it, uh, and I'd like to say before many, um, way before e-commerce began to really accelerate the, the, the home delivery market. We saw changes in people demographics, asset changes, and we saw technology starting to come online that we thought we could leverage, and that being primarily what we call molded structural composite technology, which is a new family of composite materials that allows us to displace primary construction, steel, metal, aluminum, other alloys. And what we also found uh, through that innovation exercise is it has great thermal properties, substantially better thermal than traditional materials that are used 
across transportation cold chain applications. Once we figured that out, uh, that set us on the path of saying we can do something different. So what? Uh, so so I'm going to skip skip around just slightly and ask you to stay on MSC for a minute because you know you you are doing some inserts for uh, for the Ford Transit van with uh, I hope I say this right. Is it Garu? Is that how you say it? Garau. Growl. Okay. Yep. I'm not going to get that right either. Uh, but uh, how do you see the potential for the growl refrigerated inserts that you, that you are doing for Ford? Yeah, absolutely. So what we've, it, all this fits together. And as we've created composite capabilities, uh, specifically in how we can use fiber material molding and chemistry, that's a brand new capability inside of Wabash National. Now we can pair that with changing market conditions. And what we've seen over the last five years is a dramatic increase in the amount of updating that's being done in the traditional automotive van class one, class two applications. Uh, the technology today uh, in, is primarily a, um, a uh, foam in place application. What we can do with our composite materials and our capability is do an engineered to fit uh, high quality application Again, provides superior fit and finish, uh, food safety, as well as thermal protection. Yeah, yeah. You alluded to this a moment ago. I want to pick up on it. That is this idea of, of home delivery and things that were brought on by the pandemic. Do you think this is becoming a new normal now? And is that a reason that you see opportunities in cold chain? Is that a, you said you spotted it five or seven years ago. You obviously couldn't predict a pandemic. But obviously that accelerated this. Has it made it somewhat permanent? If that's the yeah, yeah, yeah. Our customers were telling us this was going to be happening, like you said, five, five, six, seven years ago. The pandemic just solidified that. We saw increases in uh, home delivery of food. Uh, we see the moves by Amazon, Kroger, Target, and Walmart and others uh, just continuing to put dollars uh, and 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 their strategy is changing to facilitate this. The pandemic just made it very clear, both in the consumer and in the shipper, or the, or the, um, in this case, the grocery stores and food service companies, that this is a trend that is staying and only accelerating. Mm -hmm. Now, you, uh, you also have pruned some of your lineup uh, along the way to focus on, you know, last mile, which, you know, is is not. Unless it's refrigerated, it's not as relevant for this. But last mile products with some of your traditional products, where do upfitting acquisitions and maybe even some other uh, business strategies fit into this as far as cold chain? Yeah. So we, we have divested a set of uh, a relatively small set of the portfolio because they just weren't core to what we believe are the changing dynamics within transportation, logistics and distribution. Uh, upfitting parts and service, we believe, is not just a final mile or last mile. Um, industry trend. We actually see this occurring from first all the, or from final all the way up the first mile. Um, and that is because assets are changing. That's, uh, the needs are more dynamic. Assets need to shift and adapt. Uh, we see this again in those customers that are at the forefront of logistics change. And the current infrastructure isn't at a level that's going to meet their expectations. That leaves a window for Wabash National to come in, serve their total First, the final mile needs, which includes updating uh, and service applications. Mm -hmm. You're a, a molded structural compositor, MSC, which you uh, briefly mentioned before. It weighs less. It offers better thermal. Also something I think you mentioned maybe before we started the call uh, than, than other trailer construction material. What is the expansion of MSC technology 
look like beyond the 53-foot refrigerated van? Sure. Well, let's just start with cold chain itself. Um, we can use that technology to lighten, as you talked about. We can increase thermal efficiency. We can increase cargo weight. And we can also increase asset life because we can remove corrosion uh, from that application. Now, that's leveraging both its structural and its thermal properties. We can take uh, structural composite solutions into any market, both transportation, logistics distribution, and beyond. Any place we want to um, substitute structural materials, traditional structural materials, steel, aluminum, uh, and so on, we can now do that with totally composite material. Whether it's stationary buildings, other types of insulation, um, we can move. We were being asked to work within the automotive space right now on R and D related projects, batteries, so on and so forth. What uh, what kind of you know we're in a business and you certainly are of of total cost of ownership obviously at the the back end of the trailer end if you will but i have to believe that if you've got a lighter product uh you're helping fuel efficiency have you looked at those numbers is that something that you're able to sell on yeah so fuel efficiency is always tough because are we are we uh truly going to take advantage of fuel efficiency or are we going to take advantage of additional cargo uh from a revenue generation standpoint from a cold chain perspective what we really focus on is the efficiency of the TRU unit uh, in the reefer van, or whether it's a truck body or an automotive van application. Uh, and absolutely, we have uh, we can see anywhere from 20 to 30 percent reduction in diesel fuel usage on same same application uh, with the use of a molded structural composite um, composite van uh, versus traditional manufacturing. That allows them one. They can either take that in fuel savings, they can reduce the size of the TRU unit, and it's, or they can increase the asset life of that given TRU unit so they have less total hours on it. Yeah. A couple of years ago, you showed a pretty interesting uh, uh, TRU unit uh, with, I think, E-Now, uh, this solar-powered uh, uh, unit on, on one of your vans. Um, what's happening with that? Is that something you're pursuing, or was that just a demo? No, we have uh, sites on over 100 uh, E-NOW solar-powered TRUs moving into primarily California, where tax laws and incentives allow that to occur. Uh, that partnership continues to move into 2022 uh, based on the landscape that we see in California. We are broadening that thought process as to any uh, potential alternative energy or hybrid energy application for TRU becomes much more possible because of the thermal efficiency that we gain through model structure composites, it makes a lot of fringe applications now potentially become mainstream. We're pulling technology into the market because we're offering a different solution. Okay, so I want to back up or step back just a little bit and ask about sustainability because that clearly is something that, you know, especially California, which does drive a lot of change and a lot of uh, activity around whether it's electrification or, or whatever, but sustainability is increasingly an issue for fleets that you supply. The companies don't always want to do this themselves. They'd rather have you do it for them. How much of an additional burden or opportunity is this push for sustainable products? Call it ESG if you want, you know. Well, first off, it is completely in line with Wabash National's value, values, our purpose, our mission. Uh, it goes hand in hand with the innovation that we've been putting on the street for 35 plus years. When we talk about weight, fuel efficiency, asset life, cargo efficiency, those are all sustainability measures. 
uh, and being the only really publicly traded company in the space, we are completely on board and understand uh, the needs of other publicly traded companies when it comes to ESG requirements. So we see it as wind in our sails. It's something that we don't fight, and it's something that we accept both internal to Wabash National, and we believe we'll provide um, better so solutions to our customers because we're living the same life they are right now. Yeah. Does it does it become a point of leadership? Is it something that you can actually, well, maybe not market, but certainly you can, uh, you know, I noticed, for example, that Cowan does a, a scorecard on ESG now. Um, I would think that that would matter to, to you guys. We are talking to the, some of the largest carriers, shippers in the country uh, about how Wabash National ups their ESG scores through their supply chain management scoring processes. Uh, we're able to have unique conversations that others cannot have uh, based on the products that we have and the way that we understand sustainability. Yeah, and, and, and MSC kind of is the, is the tip of the spear, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. We are able to have forward-looking conversations where we are giving them a vision of the future uh, that is beyond what they're hearing other places. Sure, sure. Okay, so you've been in the CEO chair for three years. You've been president at Wabash National for five. You've seen the age of the trailers trend younger. You've seen the growth of drop and hook. You've seen, you know, which does add capacity. And you've seen a generally healthier market than maybe could be expected given super cyclical business, right? So so what is it that, that keeps you awake at night? I mean, that's one of those questions that, you know, you can have any way to answer that you want to. Well, the the world of logistics continues to get harder for many different reasons. Whether a manufacturer, a carrier, a shipper, or a consumer, uh, it is obviously not getting any easier. I think when we step back uh, for Wabash National, we have to look at the threat of inflation going forward and how we manage that uh, as, as a player in, in this value stream. I think we also have to look at public policy and how, our, how we will adapt to infrastructure needs that we have going forward to sustain logistics chain. Uh, and we're going to see regulatory uh, changes that are going to boost sustainability needs. And both our consumers and Wabash National have to adapt to these changing social and political changes uh, for us to prosper going forward. That's what keeps me up at night is the speed and the pace of change uh, around logistics. You, you mentioned inflation, and one of the things that you know has it, it is as much in the news as, as inflation, and the, whether it's a, a short-term inflation or long-term inflation, is this question of of uh, being able to get enough workers. Uh, how are you doing on that now? I know it hasn't been easy for you. No, it's uh, it's not easy for anybody right now. And uh, when it comes to uh, labor in in this environment, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago on our earnings call. Perseverance is the name of the game uh, when we talk about adding labor. Uh, we are being really innovative in the way that we bring labor in in order to structurally not change the cost profile of the business too much. Uh, we're being creative in how we engage our workforce in order to be a, a, a employer of preference in the areas that we operate. Um, it's going to be an interesting ride for the rest of 2021 into 2022 as not only our industry, but, you know, industries in general are going to continue to ramp into 2022 with the economic activity that we do have, uh, specifically from a freight standpoint. Uh, all I can tell you is we're doing, we think, better than the mo than most, uh, but it is far from easy. Yeah. Are you able, and, and just one more question on that on that front, are, are you able to keep all your lines running or have you had to 
sort of hold back on some things because of the labor issues? Really not for labor. I would say supply chain uh, challenges have been probably the bigger issue. Uh, I think we have done, uh, we have generally met our ramp targets for 2021. Um, we could have probably exceeded them based on demand that we have uh, if the supply chain would have been more robust. Uh, I think those labor issues are affecting our supply chain earlier, uh, and then that trickles down um, to affect us. Uh, but we, we're primarily paced by, by our supply chain challenges at this moment in time. And, and does that mean just to, I don't think it's a big jump, but does that mean basically you're sold out for 2021? I mean, you're, and I don't know where you are with opening the order books, but are you pretty well done for? Yeah, we've been, the industry has been done for 2021 for months um, in general. And uh, we are just uh, have opened the books uh, for 2022 in the last couple of weeks. Uh, and that is a, a, a quick filling process at this point. Uh, 2022, and I would argue to say 2023 demand planning for fleet started months ago, and uh, we're just in the throes of of, look, of uh, booking those deals right now. Sure. Well, listen, Brent, this has been a pleasure to have you with us today for the Cold Chain Summit, and I thank you very much for taking part. Thank you, Alan. I really appreciate the time.